Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-46. Chabura, that is the Hebrew concept that is being translated by the term stripes in Isaiah 53.5. The real deep essence of this statement is more like by joining in him or by joining with him, we are healed. Hello there once again. This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and you are tuned in to Real Israel Talk Radio. And on our podcast today, I am going to continue where we left off on the last two programs dealing with this definition of the Son of Man and the Son of Sickness and to really make things really much more clear to our understanding of the terms i'm going to take a look at the idea of bread and wine it is oftentimes understood as taking of communion however in judaism it is not called communion of course it is called by the terms hamotzi and kiddush Hamotzi and Kiddush. So on the last podcast, that is program number two in the Son of Man teaching series, uh, we were looking at the meaning of the term as it prophetically relates to Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, which is an ancient prophetic teaching on Israel's suffering servant prophecy. And we also took a look at Psalm 2, verse 12, which is the coming of the Son prophecy as it is expressed from the Hebrew into English, kiss the sun or kiss the grain of wheat, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Now, the idea here is that of perishing due to a lack of food, meaning to basically starve to death. So this is going to take us back to the idea of expressing thankfulness to Jehovah with a kiss of gratitude that we might, quote, kiss the sun, or in a physical sense, to kiss the wheat grain, And you know, that actually isn't so strange when you eat something that you really, really like, or say you're a farmer and you grow something out in your field or in your garden, and it's something just really wonderful, oftentimes you will uh, be very thankful with the expression, Like it's, oh, this is just wonderful. Or, "Mm, this is so good. This is so beautiful. What a blessing. It's that kind of idea. It's kind of the sense of kissing with thankfulness for physical sustenance, which always has a kind of theological metaphor attached to the action. And I suspect this has a very strong reminiscent uh, character to it, 
to bring us back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where we are thanking the Almighty Eternal One, Yehovah, for providing for all of our sustenance. And then the text goes on to say that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by all of the word that proceeds from the mouth of Yehovah. That's a very, very important idea. Which is why, in Judaism, the common prayer that is oftentimes said after eating of any meal is that of what is called grace after meals. It's called the Berkat Hamazon in Hebrew. It is the mitzvah of the Jewish food blessing. And it's based on Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. And it reads as follows in English, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless Jehovah your God or your Elohim for the good land which he has given you. Of course, this explains the what and why of Yeshua's teaching prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. And this is where he teaches us the prayer saying, Give us this day our daily bread. Of course, that is much more than just a physical request of the Almighty Creator, saying, oh, just fill my belly with food today, because it takes on a deep spiritual connotation, further declaring why Yeshua said to his disciples when they asked him on one of those days when they were walking the countryside, if he had already taken something to eat. Yeshua's response to them was given to us as it's recorded in John 4, 34. Here is what Yeshua said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So, this is naturally the idea of thanking him for the food that he has given to me, that is, my sustenance, which is provided from him. The food that is being referred to is to do the will of the Almighty Yehovah. And in doing his will, that is our sustenance. That is our food that is our blessing. And when we do His will, it is that we are in fact eating from Him. And that is for the purpose of finishing the work that He has called us to do before our number is called and we leave the earth. So we have physical wheat grain, or if you will, bread, and that bread is ingested for our material sustenance. And then you go on to the wine, which is taken as the symbol of New Covenant theology, which is, uh, among other things, 
talking about the food commodities that are available to us for our sustenance and what they mean, their representations, that both the bread and the wine are regularly used as metaphors to help us understand the foundational connections between our physical world and the unseen spiritual world. So we know both worlds. We know the physical world and we know the spiritual world. This then is going to take us to an understanding of Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, as it relates to the idea of the Son of Man. Uniquely, this Son of Man idea is a messianic moniker. A moniker is a kind of signature, a kind of identification for who or what somebody is or what they represent. We all understand this idea of a nickname. Of course, your parents may have given you an official name, but oftentimes we have these nicknames that have been assigned to us by parents, family, friends, which kind of identifies who you are. And then we all kind of know, oh, that's so-and-so. And I oftentimes think of this really in the context of America. So if I said to you, I'm going to travel to the Big Apple, well, most of you would probably understand that nickname, that moniker, to mean New York City, because it kind of has connected itself with that idea. Or if I say, we're going to take a trip over to the Windy City, a lot of people will know that generally means Chicago. And where I'm from, the west coast of the United States, San Francisco, we oftentimes refer to it as the Golden Gate because of the Golden Gate Bridge, because of the Golden Gate concept of the West Coast. So these are monikers. These are nicknames. And I would say that the idea of the Son of Man is also that kind of a nickname in Hebrew and also in Aramaic giving Yeshua this kind of nickname or messianic signature that identifies who he is so that we can say, oh, that's so-and-so, that's Yeshua, or that is so-and-so. Hence, when we read Daniel 7.13 in Aramaic, the English is translated as I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came unto or to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. But in the Aramaic, I'm kind of reading it just a little bit differently. It looks like it's saying to me, a happening or event that I was watching in a vision of the night. This is Daniel talking. And he says, And look, with an exclamation point, with the clouds of heaven, a son of man likeness. 
This is a man that seems to resemble or identify a sickly man. It's not that he's sick in this vision. It's not that he's ill in the vision. No way. It's that this is his identifiable signature. It's his moniker. It's who he is identified as coming to us. That is a weak and sick man. That's what he was to us, which is, of course, Isaiah chapter 53 in all of its understanding. Now, if we put Daniel 7.13 into Hebrew and then bring it over to English, then it's going to read something like this. A wheat grain of weakness, a man of sickness, as opposed to the more simple terminology, the son of man. Because as I said in previous podcasts, the term son of man is, in modern Hebrew, has the connotation today in Israel as being a man, a person, a human being. And we miss the nuance of what it's trying to present to us from the biblical narratives. So then in Daniel 7.13, the narrative then goes on to say and to describe he happened to come even unto the Ancient of Days. And he found him at the front, or quite literally, in front of him. The Hebrew word would be kedem, kedem. And he had begun, or was caused to begin, with the process of approaching him, referring to the Ancient of Days. This so much reminds me of what was written in the apocryphal work of Enoch 1, or what is called the first book of Enoch, chapter 14, verses 24 through 25. Here's how that section reads as it's translated to English. And I had so long a veil upon my face, and I trembled, And Jehovah called me with his own voice, and he said to me, Come here, Enoch, approach my holy word. In other words, come near now to my holy word. Stand in front of me. And he caused me to get up or to arise, is what Enoch writes. And I went to the door, but I bent my face downward. So it sounds very similar to what Daniel writes in chapter 7, verse 13, when he says that he happened to come even unto the Ancient of Days, and it was the Ancient of Days who summoned him and said, approach me, in Daniel 7, 13. So we see a very similar idea between these two concepts. So this son of man slash this wheat grain of weakness and this man of what appears to be a sickly man who is going to fall to the ground and die. He is then going to sprout up again out of the ground. And this connects just beautifully to Isaiah 53 
4 through 5. Let's take a brief look at this understanding from the English text of Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. We will learn this. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now here, the word afflicted in Hebrew is that of the idea of touched with a spiritual leprosy. In other words, that is what infected Yeshua, because that is what infected Adam and Eve when they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, as it is referenced in Genesis chapter 3, when they came to be one with that tree. They were afflicted and touched with a leprosy that was deeply spiritual, and it affected them, and it affected all of us downline because we inherited their sickness, their illness, their disease. Now, we are going to come to this idea of acquainted with grief in Isaiah 53, verse 4, You're also going to see it in verse 3, the term grief. So we look at this and think, what is grief? Well, it is in Hebrew a very interesting, fascinating, and unique idea. It means sickness or illness or sickliness in Hebrew. And actually, it's directly related to the Hebrew word chala, chala. Ah, those of you that know the term chala, this is going to show you something. But if you do not know what the term chala means, then stay with us and I'll explain it. For those that do know what the term chala means, this is going to be even more of a clarification for you as to why you do what you do when you take the bread and wine of a Sabbath or a festival in Judaism, either at home or in the synagogue. Hence, what we need to understand here in regards to this Son of Man concept is that this was the role that was given to Mashiach or Messiah. Why? So that he could fulfill as the bearer or the carrier of man's enosh or enosh, or what is understood from Aramaic as the carrier of man's sickliness, weakness, and illness. Because that is the terminology, sickliness, weakness, or illness. That is what the term enosh or enosh refers to. Again, 
This was something that was inherited by us when we came into the world, and it was passed down to us through the genetic imprint that our parents passed down to us, and which was passed down to them, and all the way back, down line from Adam, through the transmission of man to man to man, through the seed of Adam from the Garden of Eden. That is, when Adam took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he ate from that tree. That's what we inherited, his genetic imprint. Therefore, we can see exactly how Yeshua is using this term, Son of Man. This terminology could never escape his notice, and he was teaching it to his disciples. So, take for example Matthew 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And I would say, he that was lost, according to the way the Greek reads in the text. So, from the Greek text, it is definitely clear in this passage that to be lost meant to be utterly and completely wasted and ruined. This is what happened to Adam and Eve when they came to be one with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They passed down that DNA genome to us. So based on Isaiah 53 verse 5, we're going to learn something that Yeshua specifically came to do. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. What was it that he was called in his mission to accomplish? In English, it reads as follows. But he, referring to this suffering servant character in the text of Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. Now, the Hebrew word that gives us the English term wounded in Isaiah 53.5 is the term halal, halal. This is spelled chet, lamed, lamed. And it translates to the English as the term pierced. So you could translate Isaiah 53.5 as he was pierced for our transgressions. The next statement is, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now here, the Hebrew word for bruised is daka, daka. And this word, daka, is from the Hebrew root dalet kaf aleph. Dalet kaf aleph. Daka. And this will translate very nicely to the English word crushed. Crushed. So, we could read this as, He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And in Hebrew, the term iniquities is from the Hebrew term avon, ein vav nun, ein vav nun, avon, which translates to Hebrew as twistedness and perversion. So you could read that as he was crushed for our twistedness and our perversion. That's the idea here. The next statement is, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. But again, let's take a look at the Hebrew terminology for the term chastisement. We'll take a look at that and we'll return after the break to continue this lesson on looking at Isaiah chapter 53, 5 and what Yeshua specifically came to do through his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio. You are listening to Avi ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-46. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Once again, here's your host, Avi ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi ben Mordechai. Let's continue where we left off on the first half of the program and we will now continue with Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Let's take a look at the Hebrew terminology for the term chastisement. The Hebrew here is musar, musar. In Hebrew, this is spelled mem, samach, vav, resh, musar. And although we can use the term Musar for kind of like an instruction, perhaps an instruction of wisdom. And the Hebrew term Musar has lots of different nuances to it. But one very interesting nuance of this Hebrew word for the context of Isaiah 53 is that of the term a bond. That's right, a bond. Just like Paul would say, like a bond servant. Or back in the Hebrew scriptures, the idea of a bond slave or a bond servant or a bondsman, a bond. That's the idea. So chastisement is the concept in Hebrew as a bond. And this is a bond for our peace. Now, in Hebrew, peace is shalom or shalem. Shin Lamed Mem. But peace in English has one meaning. Peace in Hebrew has a totally different understanding. Peace in Hebrew refers to the concept of wholeness or totality or completeness. But I can't really say that it refers to no conflict as we oftentimes understand it in English, as though to say, well, let's just have peace between each other, or let's make peace. Well, the idea of making peace doesn't always work 
because when you have shalom, it does not always mean that you have a lack of conflict. Sometimes you do have conflict, but it's at a different level. Maybe it's a spiritual conflict or something like that. But still, the idea of peace in Hebrew is the concept of wholeness or completeness or perfection. And then finally in the statement, the bond for our peace or for our wholeness was in front of him or over him or on him. So the Hebrew says the bond of our shalom or our wholeness was over him or on him, or in front of him, or even before him. So this is the idea behind that statement in Isaiah 53, verse 5. And then the final statement in Isaiah 53, 5, and by his stripes we are healed. However, this idea of stripes, as it's referenced in English, it carries a much deeper understanding from the Hebrew text. The Hebrew text is going to give us v'chavruto, v'chavruto. For those of you that speak or know just a little bit of Hebrew, you would be familiar with the term chavura or chavurim, which is the idea of friends, friends or associations. Chavurah, that is the Hebrew concept that is being translated by the term stripes in Isaiah 53, 5. So the real deep essence of this statement is more like, and by associating with him, or by associating in him, or by joining in him, or by joining with him, we are healed. Yes, I kid you not. This is from the Hebrew root chet vet resh. Chabur, chavur, chavorah, chaver, chover. These are the words that come out of that root. And they relate to this idea of an association, of a joining, of a connection. So stripes could work in the sense of getting a connection or an association with something that is hurting you. Yes, it could work, but the stripes idea doesn't really do this statement much justice because it's more like the idea of by joining him, associating with him, and by linking up and connecting with him as a friend or as his friend, in that sense of the word, we are healed, which uniquely connects us to something Yeshua said in John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, and the idea of a servant is that of a bond servant, a bond servant. When Yeshua said, no longer do I call you servants, 
My understanding of this is he is saying, no longer am I calling you bond servants or bond slaves that are linked or connected to the DNA genetic imprint of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was passed down as a genetic DNA genome from Adam in the Garden of Eden when he fell from his honorable position. That's right. He's saying, no longer am I calling you a bond servant or bond slave. You're no longer connected to that tree because of what I'm going to do. So then he goes on to say in John 15, 15, for a servant does not have experiential practice or knowledge of what his master is doing. Why? Because when you were a slave to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when you are a bond slave to that tree, folks, you have no idea what the word is doing. You won't know. You can't connect to it because that tree of the knowledge of good and evil cannot connect to the tree of life. These are two entirely different trees. So they're not going to have any connection one with another. So by being connected to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as a bond slave or bond servant, how in the world will you ever understand the wisdom and the knowledge of Jehovah? And this reminds me, in Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 8, Jehovah says through Jeremiah to all of the religious or the smart guys who seem to know everything, all those scribes, how can you say we are wise? How can you say that? And that the law or the Torah of Jehovah is with us. Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. And the wise men are ashamed. In verse 9, they are dismayed. They're taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of Jehovah, that is, the word of Jehovah. So he asks the question, so what kind of wisdom do they have? What wisdom would they even be able to possess if you reject the Torah, the word of Jehovah? So that's the point. You can't know what Jehovah the word is doing when you are a bond slave or servant of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Yeshua says to his disciples, you're no longer of that tree because of my work and what I'm going to accomplish for you. So therefore he says, I have called you Chavorim, Chavorim, that is friends, which the term Chavorim is going to go back to Isaiah 53, verse 5, where it says, By his Chavorah, with us, 
His connection, his association with us, his joining with us, and we associating with him, and we joining with him by our friendship with him, Isaiah 53, 5, we are healed. So those two statements are going to match from Isaiah 53, verse 5, and John 15, 15. So then the next statement of Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, We are healed. And the Hebrew word for a healing is rapha. Rapha is the root that gives us the Hebrew word for a physician, a rofe, one who fixes or heals or repairs someone in terms of their physical sickness. So he says, we are Rapha, we are healed, or we have been healed. The Hebrew text here says, we have a healing towards all of us. That's what it says. We have a healing towards all of us. A Rapha, we've been healed. So you ask, of what? Of our sickness, illness. Our sickliness from the past down inherited sickness from Adam in the Garden of Eden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have been healed in this son of sickness, the Messiah, this son of man, Yeshua. We have been healed in this wheat grain that fell into the ground. And on the third day, he was resurrected to life. Yes, indeed. In him, in this son of sickness, this son of man, this wheat grain, we have been healed, my friends. Yes, we have. So, it was that Yeshua said in a confirmation of the idea in Mark 9.31, He says, the Son of Man, that is, the sickly one, the ill one, the weak one, the blighted wheat grain. Yeah, that one. He is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. So this Son of Man signature applies to Yeshua with one meaning coming from Aramaic and one meaning coming from Hebrew. Together, the Aramaic and the Hebrew are putting together for us a gospel story a good news story. Through Yeshua, the work of the Word made flesh in John 1.14 fulfills all the biblical expectations of Mashiach so that all of the weakness and all of the sickness of mankind passed down from the genetic imprint that Adam took upon himself with Eve. They passed it down to us. All of that weakness and sickness from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
passed down line through Adam's corrupted DNA genome, it means that now all of us could freely choose to receive a new life because in joining or associating with Yeshua as the suffering servant son of man, by joining and associating with him, that man, the son of man, the sick guy, the ill guy, the sickly man, the Isaiah 53 man, by doing that, our bond or bond servant status or bond slave status to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would no longer have any power over us that is in our soul, in our nephesh, in who you are in the inside, because your inside, or as Paul says, your new man in Messiah is in fact a new creation in Messiah. That's true. Why? How? By simply joining to him from what Isaiah 53.5 tells us. And that is even the idea expressed in Genesis 2.24. Genesis 2.24, which prophetically states the following. Listen up. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his woman, and they shall become one flesh. And I believe this idea of Genesis 2.24 about the father and mother, this is going to point us forward to Ezekiel, Yehezkiel, chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Listen to what it says here. Son of man. Get that idea? Son of man. He's talking to Ezekiel because he's an image of this sickly, weak man. Cause Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, thus says Jehovah Elohim to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity from which you were born. And then he goes on to say, your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. These are ideas that are telling us about our nativity and our birth in a prophetic spiritual sense. So therefore, Genesis 2.24 says, therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother, that is the Amorites and the Hittites, in that sense of the idea, and be joined to his woman, which is going to be the understanding of the holy Ruach, the spirit of Yehovah, which is feminine and lives in us because we are filled with the spirit of Yehovah. We are filled with a feminine entity. So that enters us and makes us the bride of Messiah. So we are to be joined to that Ruach, and they will become one flesh. And this Genesis 2.24 statement also shows us about how Yeshua, the man, the Mashiach, the Messiah, is joined to us, and we become one flesh with him. 
because he too leaves father and mother. And we learn more about this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who being in the form or image of Elohim, did not consider it robbery to be equal with Elohim, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And he being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, not the death on the cross. No, 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 no. The death of the cross. That's important. Why? Because the cross, the execution stake, led Yeshua to a second death. His first death was on the cross, yes. But the second death is what happened after the cross. The Word left His abode and became flesh. As John 1.14 tells us, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word left His abode and came to dwell among us so that we would know this idea And this principle that he was going to become one with us and we would become one with his spirit. So, this is the metaphor that helps us to understand the role of Yeshua, the man who came to draw us unto him, that we might join to him. And in this, we would become one with him as a new bride is joined to her groom, her man, her husband. So Paul obviously got this concept from Genesis 2.24 when he wrote in Ephesians 5.30-33, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Then he quotes from Genesis, For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, watch how he answers this. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Messiah and the congregation, that is, the congregation of Israel, which is a spiritual term. Nevertheless, Paul says, let each one of you in particular so love his own woman or his own wife as himself and let the wife or the woman respect the man, respect the husband, or if you will, honor, submit, and join to the man, to the husband. This is all very, very important stuff, okay? We're going to stop right here and come back on the next podcast for part four in dealing with this idea of the Son of Man and the Son of Sickness and how it relates to the bread 
and the wine, or the hamotzi and the yain, or the kiddush of Judaism, or what is often called communion. There's a whole connection to that. So join us the next time, and we'll dive into that idea on the next podcast of Real Israel Talk Radio. So thanks for joining us today. And if you want to go to our website, you can check it out at www.cominghome.co.il. Cominghome.co.il. That's the website. And you can get all kinds of stuff there and learn about what I'm doing and what we're talking about and catch these podcasts all the way back for the many, many months prior to what we're doing today. You've been listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with your host, Avi ben Mordechai. We hope that you have discovered some fresh insights into the ancient biblical Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home. Visit our website at www.cominghome.co.il. If you have questions or comments, direct them by email to questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. Yah Willing will hope to see you for the next podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. I am going to continue dealing with this definition of the Son of Man and the Son of Sickness and to really make things really much more clear to our understanding of the terms I am going to take a look at the idea of bread and wine in Judaism it is called by the terms Hamotzi and Kiddush Hamotzi and Kiddush so join us here next time on our podcast And we'll take a look at this idea. Thanks for joining us. Again, I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and this is Real Israel Talk Radio.